0: I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We're just 20 days from election 2022, so we begin with political updates. Joe Biden is attempting to buy some votes for Democrats by tapping America's strategic oil reserves yet again, and as is so often the case, this should be illegal and he should be impeached and convicted and removed from office. I break down a few key races and note some of the underlying issues by way of example, of course. And I think these are the ones that are supplying the evidence that we are headed towards a red wave. Democrats are obsessed with trans and abortion and environmentalism and not debating Republicans while ignoring crime. And Republicans pretty much just want to talk about inflation and then if there's more time then uh, crime and illegal immigration. And I think this is the tale of the tape here and uh, why Republicans have such a huge advantage. Our guest today is Ava vlardinger She's a popular commentator on European issues, though she's spending a lot more time Here in the United States, and she weighs in on Europeans feeding their young mealworms. Yes, mealworms. The plight of the Dutch farmers, the brutal rape and murder of a child, allegedly by migrants in Paris, and globalism's slow and steady march to usurping more of your freedoms, both in Europe and here in the United States. Trust me, it's actually much more of a fun interview than it sounds. Seriously, seriously, I'm not joking. All right, we got all that to come. Let's get into it with the monologue. In with some stuff coming out of the White House. It was a another very political day for Joe Biden, who's very clear. And Hunter Biden said this in the laptop somewhere that Joe's mostly a political character. His ideology is not nearly as strong as doing what he feels like he needs to do politically, and that makes sense because A lot of the positions he holds today are not similar to what he believed yesterday and certainly not similar to what he believed 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 130 years ago when he first came onto the political scene. Uh, And he's looking quite skeletal, which I appreciate because it's spooky season. And I I enjoy spooky season and even more when I've said small children. And he does look like a skeleton. He's never uh, – I don't know if this is on purpose but it's pretty cool luck for this time of year. Um, but he has announced that he will be releasing 10 to 15 million more barrels from our emergency oil reserves. He's going to do this before the midterm election, which uh, is I don't know if there's any way, uh, if there's if there's any way even to spin this one and to suggest that it has uh, nothing to do with the inflation, and, which is now the top issue. Aside from perhaps crime in certain areas in the uh, midterm election and he the the energy drives it to such a high level Um, Biden's in trouble in this regard. So he's going to release more strategic. Oil and we're now have depleted our supplies to a level that we haven't seen since 1984. And uh, uh, which is, you know, again, it's, it's, I think it fits. I think, you know, 1984, it's, it's not, let's say, horror per se, but it just it's kind of spooky. And so it all fits. He's very seasonal, Joe Biden and uh, I believe he was having a pumpkin spice ice cream when he made this announcement. Gas is in a record in Los Angeles, California, and I think that it is uh, going up throughout the country, Above four dollars overall. This is not gonna help the Democrats, and it's not gonna help Biden achieve his agenda in the second half of his first term, or hopefully entire presidency, but who knows and this is a way for him to try to squeeze a few more votes out so he's gonna do it because he can he's gonna use every tool at his disposal it's also a sign that people who are splashing cold water on the red wave which was trendy for a minute are uh, living in somewhat of a fantasy world because um, if biden's making this move it's not because there's a lot of lack of confidence I would say but the blatant politicization of our strategic oil reserves which are really supposed to be there for us in uh, when our supplies are uh, uh, limited due to international conflict and strife um, is it shouldn't be acceptable to any of you so even NPR has admitted that inflation is bursting budgets and killing joy no kidding it is making it so it's much more tense in people's lives much more tense in people's lives because they don't know how to make ends meet and they don't really know month to month whether or not they're going to have enough coming in to cover their basic expenses Um, and the fun stuff tends to be the stuff that goes first Halloween get more expensive you could better believe Christmas is gonna be more expensive and there's not a lot of solutions that are being offered by uh, the people in the Joe Biden administration, aside from can we get our strategic oil and get that into the public? Yeah, okay, we can do that. That'll work. You know what he should do? He should have a strategic fund where he gives away electric vehicles to people. That could be good. Um, there was an electric vehicle nightmare. This was, I saw the story come across my desk, and I thought, we're going to put this up. And this is going to be one of those most popular stories of, of the day. A, another electric vehicle owner has detailed a 15-hour trek to travel 178 miles. Uh, his first trip, uh, this is a trip between, a road trip between Cheyenne and Casper in Wyoming. It was very difficult. For example, it took 15 hours to get to, from Cheyenne to Casper. Alan Ohashi told the Cowboy State Daily, Cowboy State Daily is that is that a real thing? That sounds like one of those fake papers that's been popping up. I have to dig into this. Maybe this was in the too good to check category. Um, but the, the, the doesn't it doesn't sound like one of the names of one of those one of those papers that all the Democrats create to try to confuse people. So they post stuff on Facebook. Anyway, he had a Nissan of some sort, Nissan uh, the EV, um, and it was it didn't go very well. Nissan Leaf. So did uh, a hard time staying charged and then finding new chargers we got all the details of the bright part you can dig into it but it takes a while to do the charging and then he didn't make it very far had to charge again had to wait hunting around, finding a place to charge, running out of charge we're not ready which is why Biden is just going to take our strategic oil we could have just drilled two years ago joe you would not have to do this make life a lot easier uh also though he gave you a lot of incentive to vote for democrats and to make sure that democrats have a successful midterm this november that uh, he's going to make abortion legal nationwide he's promised if democrats can keep the majority This is it. This is their sacred cow. Everyone agrees on it, even people in states that are increasingly red. The Democrats cannot help this. I was playing with this idea in yesterday's broadcast. It's such a bad idea, their unlimited abortion stance, and it's probably time for them to come off of it repeatedly because the public is moving on, but they can't do it. Every single one of them cannot bring it in. They don't have it in their heart to say there should be some limitations. Even though we have thousands of third trimester abortions, which is murder. I mean, you just you can't deny that it is. There's a handful of cases every year where the mother's health is on the line, and that is as John Fetterwoman would say, between you, your doctor, and your gods if you pray to them. <laughs> or whatever he said is most insane quote. He's a pagan. <laughs> John Fetterwoman is. Um And actually that goiter in the back of his neck is a tribute to the many gods that he prays to. Don't ask me how I know. It doesn't matter. You don't have to prove it this day and age, Um, but they can't come off of this. And it's so unpopular. And this is what Biden, a thousand year old man is saying he's going to get done if he gets sent back to Washington, or I'm sorry, the Democrats get sent back to Washington to fulfill his agenda. I'm smiling because it's just so, it's just so out of touch with what people care about. People are worried about the price of gas. They're worried about the price of groceries. They're worried about they're going to have a good Christmas this year. They're worried about if so much of their wealth is tied up in their house, and now we think for the first time in decades, housing prices could potentially flatline or go down. That's what people are worried about. I'm not worried about whether or not they can have third trimester abortions. This is a, a very small percentage of the public care about this. But those people generally work at Planned Parenthood and donate to Planned Parenthood. And sometimes pray to the many gods of Planned Parenthood. Let's play some clips. This is Katie Hobbs, who never debated Carrie Lake out in Arizona. She was on PBS because PBS caved and gave her a special interview, even though she refused to engage in the Democratic process by having a debate with the Republican nominee. Let's play cut, too, Zach. As far as any kind of uh, any kind of limit, any kind of uh, limit for abortion, where, where do you go? F- 15 weeks? Do you? Uh, what do you do? Where do you go?
1: Abortion is health care and it is health care should be left to medical providers who have the expertise and a, a decision to have abortion should be between a woman and her doctor.
0: Does that equate to no limits?
1: Look, there is no one size fits all limit that's going to address really extreme circumstances.
0: I would love to explain this to the souls of the babies who get executed at eight months into their term. Hey, there's no one size fits all limit. It's absurd logically, you have to admit. Even if some of you don't think every abortion should be illegal, and I know there's some of you in the audience, it is to suggest that you can't make this call for the first six months and people ge- genuinely do not do it. There are people there's not as a percentage of the million abortions that we do. The literal million abortions we do in this country every year it's not a super high percentage. But there are many, 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 many cases of those million where people wait into the second, third trimester to make a decision. And that decision is makes it even more heinous, the act of terminating the life. Is that a, it's a, hey, we can't have one-size-fits-all thing. Like Yes, we can. Absolutely we can. And it's such a cop-out. Cop-out answer. Lots of cop-out answers. Marco Rubio debated Val Demings. Uh, He's going to win that race in Florida, but uh, he had some good quotes from uh, There's some good moments. He had some really bad moderators. Uh, We tracked it at Breitbart, and I thought we had, on the local level, we were able to avoid this a lot. Uh, Republicans have gotten sharper about not accepting debates from bad moderators on a local level. Um, Though all the moderators have generally been terrible during the, the presidential debates in recent years still, the Republicans are getting a better... Handle on this stuff on a state and local level, but um, anyway, Rubio uh, was talking about Val Demings' abortion stance. Let's play cut seven. The extremist on abortion in this campaign is Congresswoman Demings. She supports no restrictions, no limitations of any kind. She voted against the four. She's against a four-month ban. She voted against the five-month ban. She supports taxpayer-funded abortion on demand for any reason at any time up until the moment of birth. That's what she supports. That's the extreme position here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's the more extreme position. It just is. It's a. Th- this is something that I talk about. I have a friend of mine, close friend, who is, uh, he's Republican, but he lives in left-wing circles, runs in, a very smart guy, which is why I pull my, my friend said this comment. Uh, and he's got, a lot of his peer group are uh, Democrats, and I think his wife's Democrat. And uh, he's someone who's not a extremist on abortion, and he, and he found himself to get more and more extreme on it and it's because that he was always of the mindset that safe legal and rare mantra that the democrats had pushed for our entire lives he was exactly my age was the right approach and now it's the republicans who push that republicans are safe legal and and uh, not not legal all the time but safe sometimes legal and very rare that's the republicans position and the democrats position now is unlimited abortions whatever you want for whatever reason totally different things have flipped so the democrats are the war party now also are the ones who always want us to be in a deep conflict biden got himself into some trouble because he was trash talking pakistan one of our crucial allies in the region i'm not saying pakistan is a great place but uh, biden questioned pakistan having nuclear weapons and saying that it's one of the most dangerous nations in the world this is one of our allies in a, a part of the region that's fraught with peril and he start trash talking. Um, we're working on some big stories at Breitbart that reveals some of the insanity of Biden's Afghanistan policy, which continues. We know famously the precipitous pullout without warning really our allies and even our own people who were there, how badly that went over a year ago. But we continue to send money that is ostensibly for humanitarian aid that's just getting gobbled up by the Taliban. And there's... Uh, are you sitting down? There's no accountability in where the money's going. If you notice that uh, pattern, same thing that happens with Ukraine. And there's actually a resistance to the Taliban there, which Taliban is, you know, the uh, basically identical to the Haqqani uh, the, to the Haqqani network there, basically identical to ISIS. There's more brutal, sects uh, out there that are basically in lockstep with Taliban every crucial issue and every crucial tactic. And there's a resistance to it. I'm not saying the resistance is perfect, but certainly better than what the Taliban's got. And we're sending money that's essentially going to the Taliban. They're using it for whatever purpose they want. So we're so backwards, Biden's policy in this region. It is worth a deep dive, I would say. I think we need to spend a little more time on it when we get a chance. Um... All right, so one other headline I want to bring up. A former FBI agent has refused to cooperate with GOP's probe into the Bureau's handling of the Hunter Biden laptop. So I was told this is this is against democracy. Former FBI agent Timothy Tybalt refusing to cooperate with uh, the House Republican Party. We wrote this up at Breitbart New York Post, had this first, and they wrote about how the disgraced former FBI agent why was he disgraced again? We brought this up on the show. The name's familiar. Anyway, he um, is not going to participate. And this is stonewalling showdown with Republicans. And this is, you know, par for the course. It is the federal agencies. They're weaponized against Republicans. They're weaponized on behalf of Hunter Biden and the Biden family. Um... And yeah, Tibble had been assigned as the agency's point man to manage Hunter Biden's business partner, Tony Bobolinsky. Right. Bobolinsky was the guy who worked with Hunter Biden, has been one of the top whistleblowers. Now, something very exciting that's going to happen. A group of people have done a deep, 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 deep research into the laptop from hell beyond anything I've seen before. And, um,. I've just been tipped off to what is coming out on this stuff and it is going to blow your mind. It's going to take a long time to get through all of it, which is actually sort of extra fun. But there'll be more laptop from hell content and it's going to be very juicy. And frightening, actually horrifying too. I mean, the extent to the corruption of the corruption that is uh, in those laptops is intense. And I'm not just talking about the perverted stuff, which, of course, is there. I mean, we barely scratched the surface on the perverted stuff, but we've also barely, barely scratched the surface on Hunter Biden's uh, the international business deals and the crooks he was working with overseas. So you've got to look forward to hopefully October surprise level, but probably beyond that. It'll be, just, it'll be more important, the focus on Biden is going to be even more important in the next two years than it was the first two. All right, back to some of the key races. Left-wing protesters attacked Herschel Walker at an event, called him a House N-word. The racism from the Democrats has been very pro- pronounced in this race. We just played clips of something that was sort of inevitable, which is J.D. Vance, who has brown children getting attacked for being a racist and then him having to defend himself saying how he is brown children get harassed because he's called a racist. Because why? He states the obvious that the Great Replacement is coming. The Great Replacement is one of these things like saying that there's an invasion on in our border where it's very obvious, but for whatever reason, everyone decides that we can't say it for a while. It's patently obvious we're trying to replace Americans with foreigners. It has nothing to do with their skin tone. Some are secular Europeans. A lot of them are uh, God-fearing Latinos and Hispanics and everywhere in between. We're we're, we're replacing uh, Americans with these people to some degree. Our birth rate is not very high. We're trying to execute as many of the unborn as we possibly can. At least half of America is. Of course, we have to replace them at some point or else we're going to have too many Republicans. So... I, it, it, it's one of these things where it's so obviously happening but where you're told it's a you're a racist if you state something obvious it's very dangerous that we've gotten there and when you've got people like Katie Hobbs who won't debate then no one gets to explain where people actually stand Um, this was funny this came up in the PBS interview I've been wanting to play this one let's play cut three please
1: And so for me, this debate about debates is over. I am looking forward to not only this conversation, but I've been making the case to voters with reporters uh, in different forums where um, there's the opportunity for a very in-depth dialogue about the issues
0: uh, but standing up to your opponent is is one aspect of leadership and you didn't debate in the primary either against Marco Lopez and I don't think he would have made a spectacle as as you suggest a Kerry like Kerry Lake might have
1: why no debates this go around You know I was focused in the primary on what we needed to do to to do to win this election in November and uh, the voters November. overwhelmingly chose me in that race and I think I'm that shows that the, you know, the debate okay. wasn't Again, an issue I'm, I'm there good, and I think right now it's a I'm distraction. Good.
0: I'm good. Okay. Yeah. It's a distraction for me to have to stand up for what I believe in and explain to the voters because I'd rather just sing to you on PBS about nothing and not answer your questions. Very irritating. She's in her 50s. That's amazing. Sounds like she's 12. That is, there's something going on there psychologically. That she won't debate, and she talks like that. Good luck, Arizona. If you choose that. Um, anyway, back to the Georgia race. Herschel Walker, Raphael Warnock are tied going mm-hmm. to polls. you are looking at and Raphael Warnock's church filed uh, three more. Uh, it has filed three more eviction proceedings. So recall that this church that paid uh, Warnock for his housing has some money coming in, evicting a bunch of people. So Warnock's been claiming no one's been evicted from this apartment building that uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church owns, even though they keep evicting people. So, but Warnock will deny it because the Democrats lie very effortlessly. Nancy Pelosi did an interview on MSNBC, and she actually had some pretty significantly bad answers. We've covered a lot of these at Breitbart but she referred to inflation as a global issue. So basically saying it's not our fault. But then she also said that inflation is happening because Joe Biden created so many jobs. Now, both of these are good talking points, but you can't have them both, which is why I was so amused by this. Uh, If you have inflation, yes, it can be because the job market is so saturated. There are so many jobs out there that all the workers can march into their bosses and they can demand raises. And enough of them can get raises and that will increase the supply of money that's coming in and that will be inflationary. So there's going to be more money and then that will create a, uh, you know, that will be a a supply side um, inflationary uh, factor. So that makes sense. Also, it makes sense if the whole world is having an inflationary moment, which it is. Both of those can be true also. But for her to suggest that basically Biden is not causing inflation, but he's also causing inflation with our prosperity, that's pretty funny that she feels like she can say both and she can MSNBC. Then also, uh, the uh, Andrew Mitchell who's interviewing her brought up that the voters are concerned deeply about inflation and crime, and Pelosi's answer was, I dismiss that. She literally dismisses that inflation and crime are bigger deals, even though every poll suggests those are the top two issues. These are becoming kind of like immigration in 2016, where all the voters cared more about immigration than anything else, and the Democrat party ignored it until Trump had won. So Pelosi thinks the voters care most about climate change and abortion. No, they care about that they're running out of money and that their cities are getting overrun by crime. Horrifying crime stories yesterday. A man accused of setting a New York City eatery ablaze. They didn't give me chicken biryani, and so he set it on fire. A man in Queens, allegedly, over a botched chicken order. And he was released without bail no cash bail guys gotta let him out guy who torches a business because the chicken was wrong now i get very fired up pun somewhat intended when my chicken order gets wrong but that said i only think about torching the building i only think about torching the restaurant that ruined my chicken i never actually do it rarely do i ever torch you guys see my point Um, Another person was fatally shoved into an oncoming New York City subway train fighting over a dropped cell phone because people in such a rage. Carlos Garcia, who is 50 years old, is accused of shoving Heriberto Quintana, 48 years old, onto the tracks at Jackson Heights, Roosevelt Avenue, 74th Street Station in Queens again, 445 p.m. on Monday. Quintana was uh, they had an argument with Garcia because Quintana and the it was over a drop cell phone and Quintana was uh, pushed onto the in front of a northbound F subway car the conductor was not able to stop the train in time Okay. Sound good? Enjoying this? Enjoying how the, this is what's going on in your cities? How many of you are seeing a New York City subway platform and you're actually, probably some of you are now listening to the show and you probably are uh, know that it's more dangerous than it used to be? So it's up to all of you if you want to keep sending the same people back to your uh, halls of Congress and leadership. All right. uh, Really interesting race looking at some of the been looking at the case by case by case in where the advantages are for uh, Democrats still and one place where real clear politics since Democrats still have an advantage is in Arizona. A new poll suggests that Mark Kelly and Blake Masters are in a tie. They're basically statistical tie deadlocked, but real clear politics still thinks which is generally pretty credible. About about as straightforward as it gets that Arizona is a leaning Democrat. So that's going to be a big one because the Republicans have a chance to get the majority and then some if they're starting to put states like Arizona in play. Now, Real Clear also has Republicans up in Georgia, which is interesting because of all the controversy with Herschel Walker recently. They also have Republicans favored Pennsylvania, which is pretty big because again Dr. Oz is just making a late push it's become more clear that um, John Fetter Woman is you know there's there's something deeply wrong with him mentally speaking so keep a close eye on this stuff and I'll keep reporting on some of the biggest deals but the rapid inflation is a big deal and now people are looking towards whether or not the feds are going to raise rates again which they probably will which will uh, continue. Stocks and bonds are having the worst year in 50 years. Um, 53 to be precise. So this could provide some significant momentum politically for the people who are out of power. One other interesting race, looking at Utah, where the Never Trumpers plus Democrats are pushing to oust Mike Lee. I mentioned this in yesterday's show. And as soon as I mentioned, a poll comes out showing Lee up 15%. So the Utah uh, race, according to the Ohio Predictive Insights, I I have no clue how solid that poll is. That's a big number, but uh, don't sleep on that race. I wouldn't sleep on it. couple other ones on the periphery of politics. House Democrats going to report named Maxine Waters and James Clyburn, pretty big names, paying big campaign money to their family members. This is part of the thing when you're in safe races. This is what happens. When you know you can win, then you can hire your family members as consultants and send them a bunch of money. Waters' campaign is sending $16,000 to her daughter in several installments. Um, And Clyburn is also sending money to his family. Tens of thousands of dollars, according to a report. Recall that Waters has um, paid. Uh, I think actually in in 2021, her daughter got a uh, seventy-four thousand dollars in campaign funds. So this is how you move money around because you can do it because you can take the donations and once the donations are in then you can pay basically whoever you want. This is one of the tricks that Joe Biden did is Joe Biden would hire his sister to run a Senate campaign. Joe Biden hasn't had a didn't have a tough Senate race for 30 40 years. Maybe I'm exaggerating with 40, but probably 30 years I don't think he had a tough Senate race. So every year, he or every 6 years he'd hire his sister so then he could pay her massive amounts of money to run the campaign. It's just legal grift. It's legal corruption. It's perfectly legal to do this, given the way it is, but just note that it is money that's supposed to be, uh, that's coming in for people who want their political causes advanced, and what ends up happening is a slush fund for family members. All right, another rising star on the Democrat side, J.B. Pritzker, the uh, Illinois governor, running for president, no doubt, as soon as he can he's praised the cosmetics company Ulta for an interview on motherhood with a transgender or with transgender and gender fluid men. So a guy who seems to be very straight, older, white, rich guy, is very excited that Ulta Beauty has put out some interviews with some trans girls, meaning men who are believe they're women, on what it's like to be a man even though they're biologically a woman and they're mothers. He tweeted, proud of Illinois-based Ulta Beauty for making inclusivity part of their brand. Dylan has inspired millions around the world with her openness and positivity. Hate is no home in Illinois, and we protect our trans and non-binary community. I'm sure he wasn't even aware this tweet got sent out. Like, I'd be shocked he wasn't aware of it. But J.B. Pritzker, one of the, part of the richest family in Illinois, of white people, of business people, Um, has net worth of multiple billions of dollars 57 years old and married to a woman has been for you know 25 years whatever it is maybe longer now all of a sudden he's very excited that uh, men can be mothers now very scary don't give these people any more power a couple other quick ones Uh, Missouri is divested from BlackRock the most left-wing fund the ESG people are pushing ESG as deep as you can get in terms of ties to the Great Reset as any American company. Uh, Missouri is divested from uh, BlackRock over their woke political agenda. Good for them. Kanye West has uh, called out the entire Jewish community as a whole. So pay close attention to whether or not any conservatives claim he's not a anti-Semite, even though every single day he comes out and says something anti-Semitic now. Yet you will hear that today. He's not really an anti-Semite. How could you tell? Because he says things like, quote, I'm calling out the Jewish community as a whole. And yet people who, uh, for whatever reason, will make apologies for him all day. Marijuana use at record levels for young adults. Do you think that's a good thing? Do you think that that's what's missing in American society right now? I don't. I don't think that's the issue. Internationally, a couple other good ones. A pro-life, pro-traditional marriage politician has been elected the Speaker of the Italian Parliament that is a lot to envy about Italy when their politics are not in good shape and now all of a sudden they've got pro-life, pro-traditional marriage, populist, nationalist regime coming in with Georgia Maloney and their Italian Chamber of Deputies, their lower house of Parliament has now picked a pro-life, pro-traditional marriage populist, guy named Lorenzo Fontana as their Speaker. And you'd be shocked to know that the left is criticizing and protesting this. Uh, I maybe maybe in Europe are finally getting a hold of some of the issues that matter most to people versus the unelected elite in Brussels and Davos. Last one for now is China is getting rich building natural gas carriers for Europe. So you know Europe is struggling uh, because. Russia's cut them off and they left themselves vulnerable and dependent on Russia because the greening of their society, uh, the, the fact that they had nuclear and they shut that down, they relied so much on wind and solar, which didn't provide much, and they got tied so deeply into Russia in terms of dependence, and Russia shut down Pipelines, and not to mention the green advocates have tried to uh, uncouple themselves from Russia. So what's that done? It's left them very vulnerable to an energy crisis, but perhaps more importantly more interestingly, it's opened up a opportunity for China to get rich building natural gas carriers for Europe while they're desperate because when people start freezing, they're going to be very uh, uh, happy to have China come in and save the day. Yeah, it's very scary. Very scary thing. <laughs> Ava Vlardinger-Brook is back on the show, I think one of the up-and-coming stars on the global political right and in terms of the anti-globalist, pro-populist movement, and she's knowledgeable and uh, entertaining on a lot of topics, so let's hear it. Ava, uh, you have inspired a couple of segments on the show this week, and uh, your tweet about mealworms inspired me to go down a rabbit hole. Uh, is the First of all, describe to me what they're trying to feed people in the Netherlands and how you caught this.
2: Oh, man. Hi, Alex. So great to talk to you again. Yeah. Um, Yes. Let's let's start talking about mealworms, because apparently nowadays we have to uh, because 100 schools in the Netherlands, my home country have suddenly, it seems, decided that it's a great idea to start feeding 10 to 12 year olds uh, mealworms and other insects at schools. Uh, And I saw this on a regional uh, news network and I just looked at it and I thought, are they serious? Uh, And I went in to look at what is behind all of this. And apparently there is a national campaign going on uh, with new class material to introduce what they call alternative proteins to kids uh, Mm. because children. And it says in this report, clearly, it says that children are unprejudiced against new forms of, of food, I guess. Um, if you
0: can call yeah. them yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're prejudice yeah. <laughs> against against bugs. Now, Eva, are we being too cynical here? Because they've got it's got the word meal in the name of the worm meal worm, so they should be you know should be delicious, right?
2: And, well, for for birds, yes, but not for a ten to twelve year old kids, I suppose. Oh, uh, and you can see that it's just so horrible. You know the sinistry. That's behind this. They know exactly what they're doing because you see those poor little kids, you know, and they're in these classrooms. And of course, there's a camera there, and they're all excited that there's a film crew, and they know what they're supposed to say, you know. And you see that their faces turn all like, oh, they're all, you know, upset that they're, they're that they're eating this It doesn't taste good. But then they're going to the camera and they're like, yeah, it's not bad, it's good, it's good, you know. So they, these adults know exactly what they're doing. They're corrupting the youngest. And, of course, that is, well, ancient ancient techniques, uh, especially from the communists, of course, to get to the minds of the children first, uh, to get your your policies to continue and have a long life uh, ahead of them, I guess. And that's that's what's happening in our schools right now. And I don't think that any parents have been asked for permission uh, when it came to this at all.
0: So one thing that I noticed in the video that you tweeted from this local news report that struck me was the smile on the face of the mealworm chef who was feeding this stuff to children and clearly part of this mentality that while our elite get to have private planes and, you know, 11 core chef's tasting menu with wine pairing that our youth are going to have to eat bugs out of the ground um the he's smiling while he's doing this and that to me was the scariest part is i there's something in the hearts of these globalists that are so cruel that they do think normal children should be forced to live with so much less than they lived with and and that to me is the part that i'm even more, than fads come and go with diets, and uh, Lord knows there's so many fad diets out here uh, in the United States, David, it would blow your mind every day. People have has a new routine that they think is going to make them, you know, uh, looking their best in peak physical shape. Uh, what is so weird to me is that they're able to feed this stuff to kids and feel good about themselves. That's the psychological thing that is truly frightening.
2: Oh, it's insanely sinister, but it, it definitely is not a diet. Of course, like this is a much much bigger plan, and it's almost I can imagine that people might think like, oh, what does a uh, you know a school class with ten to twelve year olds have to do with globalists? Well, a lot, because um, it might so- sound like you know what happens in Davos is far away from what is happening in these 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 classes here in the Netherlands, but it's the direct effect of these people's policies and what they want for for us, for the commoners, right? Of course, like in, in Davos, uh, over there in Switzerland, they're not eating mealworms, I can assure you that. Yeah. And it's this type of hypocrisy that we can see from the Globus and from the left always. You know, they're the ones that say that we need to transition into renewable uh energy and all these things and just starve to death and be hungry basically uh, and and freeze to death in our homes because energy prices are skyrocketing but they themselves never have to deal with any of the consequences of the policies that they're pushing and that is just what is so uh, incredibly sinister but also evil about this you know it's really a do as i say not as i do type of situation and i think that otherwise they would of course not be pushing this if this ever affected them same thing of course with immigration uh, you can be a globalist and say, oh, I'm all for no borders. I'm all for immigration. You know, one people, one government. Of course you're going to say that yeah. behind your fence in your multimillion dollar home. That's easy. Right. And that's what and, people and- always do.
0: Yeah, and this is the the next evolution of that here is all the people in to fund the police all have a lot of private security. And the same way here the people who don't like Second Amendment in the United States, we don't we they're all protected by armed guards. It just it's the uh, the, the democracy doesn't end. The question is is there accountability? And only when there's democracy, only when there are at least representative democracies and republics that can hold the elected leaders accountable. And this is the what's happening with the globalism is Uh, With uh, places like the World Economic Forum, uh, with the way they're able to groom not just leadership but cabinet officials in countries across the world, with what we've seen with Brussels and the EU, a lot of these people are not elected or they're only elected by the elite, by you know, politbureaus across the world. They're able to accumulate power without actually getting the consent of the governed, and that's what we need to fight against above anything else. Because I think the people tend to get it, the people ultimately see that they're being oppressed the question is can they do anything about it and uh, th- that is the main focus that i want to get to with you because i want to get an update with you on what's going on with the dutch farmers now uh and them pushing back against globalist resistance to new regulations that would make it difficult for them to do their jobs and thus you know feed not just their country but the world it remind us of how much farming how much agriculture Comes from the Netherlands, one of the biggest agricultural countries in the world, and what the globalists are doing to shut down the farmers and how the farmers are pushing back.
2: Right, right, okay, yeah. So the Netherlands, although we are a very tiny country, if you go and look us up on the map, you'll see we're just, you know, a little pinpoint on on the big uh, on a big map. But we are the second largest um, exporter of agricultural products believe me it's, it's crazy we're really good at this stuff and uh, a lot of dutch farmers have been doing this for centuries so I, I just want to emphasize that by,
0: by the way because this is true and i verified this also so this is the literally the second biggest in the world i i bet yeah. you there isn't one out of 100 people know that to be true
2: I know, because it sounds so unbelievable if you see how tiny we are. But so our farming is in our blood. You know, we're very efficient farmers. And it's something, it's a tradition that goes back. It's not just, you know, I'm trying to always get this across. For these farmers, this is not just their business. You know, this is their life and often their family history going back centuries. So this farming is so very much intertwined with Dutch culture and Dutch history and Dutch identity. And they're attacking they're attacking a very lucrative business which you would think why why would they be doing that why are they cutting the cattle farm and why are they feeding children insects well it's all connected because it is this is an agenda that comes not from the dutch people that have elected dutch politicians that say that we need to do this no these are policies that come from uh, supranational organizations such as the European Union and the World Economic Forum, and of course the United Nations that all basically have the same globalist agenda that are pushing for what they call a climate transition. Uh, and those are obviously displayed also in the seventeen sustainable development goals that they have. And so it's no surprise that they are coming after the Dutch farmers now because you know we're very good at this. so we need to get they need to get these people out of the way. Um, and what they've proposed, of course, you can't just say like, oh, we're going to cut uh, the farmers because we don't like you and we're going to cut uh, the cattle farms because we don't like meat, which is what they really mean, of course. But instead, they've, they've created a crisis, which is the typical tragedy of the globalists. Of course, they say there is a crisis, which in this case, they said it was nitrogen emissions that were too high, which they said damages. The, the nature in, in the Netherlands and the bad for the climate, and that needs to be reduced. So we need to go and cut the farmers, uh, the cattle farms, and we need to lower these emissions. And if we don't do that, we're going to destroy uh, our environment, and, and this needs to happen now, and we're not going to come after the airplanes, of course, or the airlines, I'm sorry, but we're going to start with the farmers. So typical globalist strategy, we create a crisis, you give up your rights same with yeah, covid that's a, now we see it so from right.
0: farmers it's so right um, on and that was and 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 this is the con, this is the pattern that happens is that the same thing goes the, the first example of this i ever witnessed was socialism when people would tell us socialism and wouldn't work then we would be told that the problem is we didn't really do it in a pure enough way we need more socialism right. to really see the effects <laughs> yeah. of socialism and this is what they keep trying to sell to stupid people and maybe there are enough stupid people out there or maybe there's enough sinister people who are all in on the joke which is what i'm Uh, increasingly convinced of Uh, so but let's uh, so how is the progress going are are there still massive protests going on right now are there still big demonstrations is there violence what's happening
2: yeah so well our government's not stupid which is I agree with you a thing that we always underestimate I think that our enemies are much smarter and much more sinister than we'd like to believe Um, because the Dutch farmers as you you in America have seen you know uh, before the summer they were protesting like crazy so there were very successful protests in the sense that those protests went all over the world. Everybody has seen them. And there was big pushback against this lie that, the, that nitrogen emissions had to be lowered. People saw through it. They were like, no, this is about another agenda. This is about the 2030 agenda. Uh, but those protests haven't really done much because our government said, OK, well, you know, we're going to review uh, our nitrogen policies again. And they took the entire summer so they stall it, you know, and people seem to forget about it a little bit. And they're like, OK, well, at least the government is productive, you know, and they're cooperative. They're going to review it again. And then what they did is they came forward with a new report last week uh, in which they did what they always do. They changed the tone a little bit, you know, so it sounds like they feel for the farmers and they understand their interest. But when you start reading what they really say, you know, it might sound a little kinder. But bottom line is that they are going to actually ramp up the expropriation of our farmers' land, and there are going to be 600 farms that will be forcefully bought out in the next year. At first, they said this needs to happen before 2030. But now they're going to say, no, no, we're going to do it in the next year, and 600 of the largest polluters, is what they say now, will have to go first. So that is now... That's now what is happening, and the Dutch farmers have obviously responded with great anger to this, um, but they're trying – I think they're right now they're recuperating and trying to, to figure out how they are going to protest this once again because our government has not budged an inch, really. Like I said, they just ramped it up. So it's very hard to fight this uh, when you know that your government has a majority in the parliament, they can push all of this through, they are backed by a supranational institutions that, like you said, nobody voted for, but that have the, the legislative power to do this. So our farmers need to, to come back and, and start protesting again. I really, really hope they will. They have said they will do it. Uh, but we really need to start showing our teeth here because otherwise nothing is going to change and they're going to push this forward.
0: Ava vlardinger Brook is my guest. She's at Ava Vlar, Vlar with two A's, on Twitter. She's got a sub stack that you subscribe to. You've probably seen her on Tucker or Mark Stein show, those of you across the pond. Um, Ava, I want to ask about, do we think that the, this, this is going to work for the globalists? Are they going to get the farmers to sell their farms? Are they going to give up? Um, or are they going to be able to fight this thing off? Because you can only really hunker down for so long in the face of this leviathan.
2: Yes. Well, every time you uh, somebody asks me this question, I I will say something that is very controversial here in Europe, but I don't think so much for you guys. Is that I don't know if we're able to do it. If there's one group that can do it here in Europe, it is the farmers. Or in the Netherlands, it's the farmers. They have manpower. You know, they have their tractors. They can uh, they can go on the road and block distribution centers like they've done before, and that does have effect. But Like, a couple of months ago, they were then faced with police brutality. And our farmers might have tractors, but they do not have guns. They do not have a Second Amendment. And that is something, of course, that in America you still have, although massively under attack, of course. This is why I think the Second Amendment is so incredibly important. If you are faced with a tyrannical government, you need to have the means to defend yourself. And the fact, not just defend yourself, but also to scare them off and, and not even try these types of things to begin with. And the fact that we don't have a Second Amendment, I think, has given our goal, the, uh, has given our leaders and our Eurocrats uh, a lot of confidence that they can push this through. Because what are they really, What is the pe- what are the people really going to do anyway? Uh, you know, they're empowered. They have the legal means. And yes, if, I mean, you can you can have people out on the street protesting, but if you can, shut those protests down with violence then i don't know what we should do so i you, you catch me at a moment here where sometimes i feel very hopeless about it but then again yeah. i've seen how resilient our farmers are and i really hope that they will they will ramp it up with the protests again and, and, and try and show our government who's boss
0: well and if they don't succeed it's going to be mealworms for all of us and this is the problem that is uh, it's funny but it's also incredibly dark Uh, I want to change focus though Ava because we're not going to solve this one today and uh, we'll come back and flesh it out some more Um, but the the, uh, I do want to talk about immigration the Europe has some immigration issues as well A lot of this stems from the Schengen rules we've talked about a lot, where people feel like if they can get into Europe, they can get pretty much anywhere throughout Europe. They also have very poor birth rates, so there's a lot of incentive to import new generations of people. And they have an increasing level, maybe even a record level, of illegal immigration coming in right now. And with illegal immigration is lawlessness, and with lawlessness comes crime. And there's been a number of stories you've been tracking this year, and really in the last year as well, of young girls who've been targeted for rape and torture and murder from illegal alien or migrant illegal migrant population in europe uh there's a a couple that i know you've been uh, focused on lately would you mind sharing some of these with the audience
2: of course yeah so a couple of days ago europe was shocked uh, once again with the news of a 12 year old girl in Paris that was found uh, murdered in a suitcase. Uh, she was found in, in, in the 19th only of Paris uh, with her uh, throat slit open and um, she was she was raped. She was tortured and eventually was, was suffocated and then had her throat slit. And it turns out that um, now the, the main suspect in custody is a 24 year old Algerian woman who did all of this to her with the help of three other Algerian migrants. And she doesn't have an immigration status. She was actually supposed to be sent home. Uh, so she had she had been denied citizenship or at least like a, a stay in, in France. And she hadn't been successfully sent home. And she is now uh, in custody for, for raping and murdering this poor little 12-year-old girl. And this is, you know, what I say, shocked again because we read these type of stories every year at least a dozen times. If you, of course, read alternative media, because the mainstream media will never tell you about this. But this is like this is a problem that we see systematically in Europe, and the the, the perpetrators are almost always people coming from radically different cultures that have no business in Europe that should have already been sent home. But like you said, once a migrant comes into Europe, our borders are not protected on the outside, uh, but our borders are also not protected on the inside. They can travel throughout the continent. And this makes me think of uh, this, the story of this poor little 12 year old girl, French girl, make me think of another story that happened last year. Uh, It was about a 13 year old Austrian girl who basically endured the exact same fate uh, in, in, in Vienna. And she was raped and murdered and tortured by a migrant coming from Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken, who was even able to then flee and travel to the UK and stay there for months because we don't know who's going in and we don't know who's going out.
0: Why do you think um, that why is not the right answer? Is it because, is this possible mostly because there's a lack of free press, there's a lack of concern from the media in Europe about this? Is it because you would think that enough of these examples and there would be some sort of a pushback? Or is it more like it is in the United States, which is we suppress this type of information? Because we, uh, it, the more of it gets out, the more the people vote for the people the media don't want you to vote for. So it's all sort of this big corrupt thing that we have going on. Uh, but is there any substantial reporting on this in Europe, or are most Europeans in the dark that this is happening?
2: Most Europeans are in the dark because it is being suppressed willfully, of course, uh, because of the reason you mentioned. Of course, the media works hand-in-hand hand with our establishment. The mainstream media at least does. So they're not going to report about the negative consequences, the horrible, horrific consequences of mass migration, uh, because that is going to obviously undermine the policies of having no borders. If people would know about this, they would vote differently. Uh, And so what happens is they don't report on it. And then when they do, uh, I'll give you a horrible example of what I read in a Dutch newspaper yesterday. They will write this. They say a 12-year-old girl has been uh, horribly murdered and raped by an immigrant and The radical right wing is basically clapping in their hands of excitement to use this for their agenda. Something like that was the the headline. Can you believe this? You know, like our, our mainstream media is saying that we are happy that the radical right wing, that the right wing is happy with the murder and rape of children because it serves our agenda. They turn everything 180 degrees around. And then the people who speak out about it are labeled, again, far-right fascist. And like that, the circle never ends.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, we had a story you're giving me. Uh, this is horrible flashback to, I think it was New Year's Eve. I think it was 2016, if I'm remembering correctly. Ava, you were probably about 12 at the time. Uh, the But we had a story at Breitbart where we covered this massive brawl with rapes and sexual assaults that took place in cologne uh germany and 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 we were one of the first uh, news outlets to cover it at all because they don't have a free press there for the most part and we were basically harassed by world media to try to come up with things that we reported that were wrong and this is sort of the peak fake news era. And we had to spend months uh, trying to make sure all of our reporting was absolutely pristine on this because everyone, despite a lot of lack of alternative evidence, was suggesting that we'd gotten some stuff in the story wrong, which needless to say, if we did, it was very marginal and almost all of it was entirely accurate. And we had have spend months and months defending our reporting on this, our reporting. Now, people were much more concerned that Breitbart was trying to tell the truth about this than that there was actually a brawl with a thousand plus migrants there who were engaged in horrific activity uh, that was making it unpleasant for the people who were supposed to be citizens of this area. Uh, this is what is where there's this big disconnect between the, the globalist goal of open borders, one world government and what it's like for the citizens the citizens don't like the stuff in general but they're losing control and that's what we're trying to claw back in a major way and it's very hard to do Ava, i'm running short on time can i plug anything for you is there anything where should people go if they want to follow you online
2: no you you already said it they can follow me on twitter and on instagram and that is uh, at eva um uh, it's spelled eva actually but it's pronounced Ava in dutch so you said it right um
0: and yeah, I think we, we do, Ava. Eva, see, I'll see, Ava. see we've see. got this. Is is English your native language? No, no, no. Dutch is my native language. You, you speak it very well. Uh, the the but the we have this thing where we have we insist on having um, people who have the same spelling of names with completely different pronunciations like Anna and Anna like we don't we spell them the same it doesn't no one knows the right pronunciation Mm -hmm. and it's fun for me because I have to look at my call board and I have uh, no idea which one and I just have to make a guess and I always guess wrong it's one of the rules you always guess if it's Anna then you're going to say Anna and vice versa
2: it's more important that you get the stories out and we can always count on you for that so thank you Alex for again for covering this and for fighting for for european women already since 2016 because thank our you. men are not doing it i can tell you that
0: that's very sad to say but uh, glad you're spending more time in the states which i've heard you're spending more time out here which is great so uh, uh, a, but the u.s is big so i'd say we should connect but we're probably further away now than when you were in uh, in, uh, in the netherlands <laughs> just the way the yeah. w- way the world works but eva a- Brook wonderfully uh, reported and let's talk some more down the road
2: thank you alex have a great day
0: That's today's broadcast. Thanks so much to producer Zach Jones, senior producer Greg Eben, Robert Marlowe, helping pick topics, and to all of you in the audience telling 10,000 friends and family members about the broadcast. Can't thank you enough. Talk to you tomorrow.